Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, 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 Eddie? Yeah. I think I've been treated to Linda vacuuming. Vacuuming. Oh, you can already hear her? No, that's... That's just the robo vac, man. It's just the oh, robo vac. Okay. All right, I'm ready to Hang go. Hang on, I'll shut down the vac. Give me a second. Okay. Okay. All good. What no. is it saying? It's mad that I had to rinse the uh, little filter in it. It's like if it's, it feels like it's wet. If it is wet, then please dry it. So nothing. Vacuum even bitches at Dude, you. Dude, everything in my house is bitchy. It's all <laughs> bitchy. News team. Assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. Official 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com. Soonerscoop podcast. Wait a minute. Josh Heupel is being introduced. The glory that is Josh Heupel. The electricity that is Josh Heupel. Your new Tennessee Volunteers head coach on this Wednesday. We welcome you in along with the entire uh, Scoop crew. Josh, Eddie, Bob, gentlemen, how are we doing today? shocked you just didn't think it could possibly happen i mean i didn't think danny white was that stupid to be honest with you wow coming in with the heat i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna go well and do you i think don't think it was that gonna, i'm in the minority do, on this. do you think it was gonna go well, well for anybody though they couldn't get anybody to take that job i i saw the clemson or clemson site larry williams uh saying that tony elliott uh turned him down last night Sure. Oh, did not know that. Uh, yeah, and it's a unique circumstance, too, because you got to wonder, like, what's headed down the track as far as uh, an NCAA viola- uh, investigation into everything that's going on in Knoxville. And then all the obvious, like, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's because we're so close to it. I think that we feel like, or at least from what I'm looking at, it's a hire that isn't as good because I know how it ended here with Heupel and then kind of kept an eye on him at Central Florida. And to say that he's improved the program, and I know that that's a little unfair considering what he took over for Scott Frost, but like I don't think that Central Florida was necessarily headed in the right direction as a program. And like I'm, I, I don't want to make this into a I'm just shitting on Josh Heupel for an hour and a half either because – you know, I and we'll get into it, but like the way that everything ended here, it's 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 really kind of sad how his relationship with uh, Oklahoma and everything has disintegrated over the last uh, six seven years. And you know, I, I just remember uh, when Tram was trying to write that article on the on the 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 twenty or the two thousand national championship team, like Hypo basically gave him a no comment because he won't say shit about OU. So it's 
I don't know. It's weird. I hope it works out, though. I'll, I'll save that. That's where I'll end it. I promise I'll stop shitting on the hire. Uh, I think the go the, ahead, Bob. The, the problem is the assumption that because he was at OU and at Central Florida, he gets you into Texas and Florida in recruiting. And I think that seems to be the biggest misnomer that's really running wild throughout this morning is that, oh, this is going to open the doors for Tennessee in those states. And just based on what me and Josh know and what we've, you know, what we've seen, what is what Hypo's tra- uh, uh, track record is, that's just not necessarily going to be the case. In honor of uh, Larry King's passing, I'm going to ask my question this way. Uh, Josh McQuistion, C- Central Florida was 6-4 and four last year. Yeah. I, is that all the lead-in I get there, Larry? I mean, I, I like that you're just kind of leaving it there for me to go. Um, it's really sad that we are not doing this in real time and everybody can enjoy the Josh Heifel Wikipedia page I'm currently looking at. Oh, boy. But um, What have they done? Yeah, it, some, some, some editors have gotten a hold of it. There is a picture of a man that is absolutely not Josh Heifel uh, in Tennessee gear and some sunglasses. I have linked it to you all in our little group chat. Um it is. Is it Batman? It's not a good look. Oh my god! Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 not a good. Uh, Got to screen cap that one. Yeah, Eddie. yeah, that's uh, that's a must. But uh, you know, I, I what what took me to his Wikipedia page is I was trying to make sure that I really remembered the the you know the exact time frame he was at Oklahoma, and as you look through those classes. It's not like Oklahoma was killing it recruiting quarterbacks, particularly in the state of Texas, which really was all Josh was doing at that point in time. I mean, you know, you go back, uh, that was his initial role. He took over as quarterbacks coach in 2006 and continued through that, you know, and grew into offensive coordinator as well. But he was the quarterbacks coach throughout that. Who did they land in that period of time that, that excites you as a, as a quarterback recruit? I mean, you know, some kid named Bradford from Oklahoma City, but that was largely uh, Chuck Long before he left. Well, they and missed out on Max not, Brown back in the day. Mm-hmm, and he not, I mean, didn't exactly go on to a stellar career or anything, but he was their first choice, and then he went to USC, uh, and then they got uh, – and then Justice Hansen was the guy, right, after that? Or am I – You're you Hansen, No, That's Hansen was like 14. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would have been Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight was Trevor Knight plan B. With Gunner, yeah. with Gunner Keel, 2012. And then Max Brown and Cody Thomas is 2013. Okay. And then Justice okay. Hanson. Cody Thomas, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then Blake Bell is in but there. But yeah, too. I mean, Bob, Bob's just dead on. There's no, there's nothing about his track record that says he's going to open up Texas for Tennessee. I don't know. Now, could he help a little? Sure, I guess. But I mean... I don't think any of us ever sat back and thought, man, Josh Heupel is a dynamic recruiter. Like, that wasn't – it's not a knock on him. That's just not the strength of where he comes from. Um, I mean, you know, look at look at some of his Texas offers. Jacob Karam from Friendswood. Drew Allen, who he did get. Um, he recruited Cam Newton out of, out of uh, Blinn when he – you know, after he had left Florida. Gotcha. Connor Wood, Jamal Turner, Trevor Knight, you know, and some other guys you guys have talked about. But – there's almost no track record of him landing elite quarterbacks in Texas. In fact, there's absolutely none. So I don't know how you get this you idea that he's going to suddenly figure it out. I will say this, and, and, and you know, you can talk all day about 
and I'm not, God, I feel like I'm always the guy defending people. Uh, you could talk all day about, you know, um, whether you're getting a five-star in or not, but those quarterbacks that he had at UCF, that Gabriel kid has got a cannon for an arm. Like, he's really good. And, I mean, McKenzie Milton was, I, I know he was there before Heupel, I think. Um, but what he did with him before he got hurt, I mean, he was he was a Heisman-type guy. So, I mean, I'm saying he's he's a he's got a decent track record as a developer of quarterbacks, which I'm sure Texas would love to have his track record as a developer of quarterbacks. Uh, I, no, that, I think they'll be fine. With that's fair. Now. I'm sorry, Josh, you said that's fair, and Eddie, I couldn't understand what you said. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's fair. I think that Texas fans are probably pretty pleased with what they got in a quarterback developer as far as Sark goes here now sure. with this new hype. sure. I, I will say, though, as, as far as developing and, like, I, I will be the first one to put my hand up and say that Sam Bradford loves Josh Heupel. He credits him with a ton of what he turned into I was while ask at Oklahoma you about that. because of Josh Heupel. So I'm not going to sit here and act like he can't coach the position because that's not only is it by fact not true, but I just know that personally. He loves the guy. He will go. He will go to bat for him anytime, and owes a lot to you know what he made in his career because of what Josh Heupel taught him in Norman. I just like from a. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it too too in depth right now, but and we've talked about this, guys. But it's like the just the fit as far as Josh Heupel's personality and the rabid fan base that is Tennessee and what they expect and how frustrated they are. I don't know. I just I, I hope it works out, but. If I had to bet one way or the other, I I think it's going to fail. And hell, they might have been able to put anybody at Tennessee right now, and it would still fail, considering what they're about to face from the NCAA and everything, and all the fallout has basically taken over a program that has been depleted of talent. Eddie, do you do you remember when you and I went to Justice Hansen's house to do like that one final interview before he enrolled? Yeah, the, the day that I. Basically figured out that I'm going to make a movie about Justice Hansen because I have so much video of him. <laughs> we went and uh, interviewed him at his house, and um, I think it was even like a two-camera sh- sh- setup and everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, we did it up um, for the 30 for 30 that one day will never happen. Uh, but here's the one thing, the most damaging story I have about Josh Heupel. Came from that day. Do you know where I'm going with this, Eddie? Yes, I know exactly where you're going. So it's a a fact. It's a fact. So we get finished with the interview, and we're just talking to Justice. I mean, shit. He was basically part of the staff. I mean, he was family. Like, like we we talked to him so much. We saw so many of his games. Uh, We we. I mean, he was comfortable talking to us, and so. We're outside, you know, we're just shooting the bull and we're getting ready to leave. And Justice just asked me straight out. He says, hey, like, does Josh Heupel kind of warm up to you or does he become more approachable? And I was like, oh, shit, like you've been committed for like a year and like you're getting ready to enroll. You're already signed and you're telling me that you really don't know your quarterback's coach as a person at all and that he's a little bit awkward to deal with. Like, that was so bad. Like, I, I was just like, my God, like, how does that happen? 
but it super, happened. Super, super, he is not the most, and, you know, obviously things could have changed, and, you know, when he got fired, hell, it could have been a look-in-the-mirror moment for Josh, but he's just a very different type of person, and I, you know, some coaches are like that, but... I don't know. Maybe that's exactly what Tennessee needs. Maybe they needed to step out of the box. Maybe they maybe need a Danny robot. Maybe White just doesn't. Maybe Danny White believes in what he's produced here over the last three years. But I, it's just it's it's a very awkward fit. I feel like. Yeah, I mean that first press conference with the Tennessee media. I just I I don't know how he's gonna fit in. I don't know how he's gonna gel. I don't know how the media is gonna treat him. Do they have some? kid gloves because of the situation or are they going to be as demanding as they've been about whoever's been the head coach there the last 15 20 years and still believe in this is the 90s and that they're still like a top 15 top 10 program sadly i don't think that the expectations for maybe one of the most unrealistic fan bases in the country is going to change any like i and that's the other thing it's like if they do face violations or any type of sanctions from the NCAA, like how 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 quick can you expect a quote unquote turnaround? We went across it this morning. They have finished inside the top twenty-one. The lowest they've finished is twenty-first in the rivals recruiting team rankings over the last decade. You know how many times they finished in the final AP top twenty in the last decade? Zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like recruiting. They've had plenty of talent out there. It's kind yeah. of like the Texas thing. Somebody kind of uh, said it, they're a lot like Nebraska, which in reality, they're not. I mean, they, they it's not even close. They have a recruiting grounds that they can go to. Nebraska doesn't have that. Like, there's no explanation why Tennessee playing in the SEC East, which, you know, I'll credit the last five, six years, it's been the SEC West that everybody talks about. But, like, it's not necessarily been just murderer's row out there. It's a, it's very similar to what Alabama was going through before they got Saban. So Josh Heupel equals Saban? No, I didn't say that. I, I mean, <laughs> Josh Heupel could very well be, you know, Mike Shula. I mean, just another coach that goes through there before they figure it out. And I would say that that's more likely to be the case than it is that he's Nick Saban. Um, but I... I I don't know. I didn't even know where I was going with that. Well, if we know anything about hires here as of late, he damn sure better be able to go hire whoever he wants, and he better make some good decisions as far as who he's going to put around him. Because if we've learned anything here over the last few years, and particularly if you want to look at what Riley even did, you have to have really good assistance. I just I think with Heupel, as an OU fan, you have to be able to separate the player from the coach. I mean, the, the, the 2014 season was abysmal. They got to the point where they could not throw the ball and they could not run the ball. And it just, like, slowly, it just, it was like a, a, that season, if the, if the offense was like a faucet, like, it just slowly kept turning off as the season went along. Like, they lost all momentum, and then it culminated in that awful Russell Athletic Bowl that, thank God, none of you had to go to. Um, I was there. Were you there? Yeah, yeah. I was there. <laughs> I've hated you probably because you worked for a competitive, a competing site. Um, he was glad you were there, Bob. I wanted to Welcome, cough dickhead. on you. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, 
Look, 2013 was a pretty good year. We've talked about this before. I mean, it, it ended up with the the Alabama win that everybody talked about, you know, the win at Notre Dame. Like, and he, you, I mean, that win in Stillwater that year when uh, Blake Bell threw the touchdown to, to Jalen Saunders. Like, there were some good, there was some good football that Josh Heupel coached, but I, it just, it never seemed to be consistent. It never seemed to be. Kevin Wilson. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that offense that was scoring fifty points a game and 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 leading the country and all these things. Like it had fallen down. And you know, Bob Stoops just I remember talking to him uh, that preseason about you know bringing in Lincoln. He said, "Look, I just I looked at the the total offensive stats, and every year Lincoln Riley was in the top fifteen. And he said I wanted to get back to being that type of a team." And they weren't that type of team. And I think part of that was, you know, having Landry Jones as a quarterback and it was just a okay offense for four years. And, you know, Heupel took that over in, what, 2010 when they, uh, I think the, the Fiesta Bowl against UConn was his first time calling plays. Um, but it was just kind of meh. I mean, there was nothing spectacular about Josh Heupel as an offensive coordinator than they were they could run the ball they could throw the ball but they didn't do it better than anybody else that's always been i mean what is his i mean it feels like he even since ou you know when it seemed like oh that he's hit rock bottom this is a problem you know that everybody is down on him well, he finds another job i believe it was a utah state and then right. almost immediately was back, I, I believe, at Missouri, if I'm remembering all that right. No, he signed right. Jordan Love, the guy that the Packers took that's pissing off uh, Brett, uh, that pissing off uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. he was the only scholarship offer for Jordan Love coming out of high school. Which, I mean, again, I mean, and, and that's part of, you said it earlier, and you're right. I think Josh can identify talent. I, I don't think that's the problem. I don't think he is the guy that can go, I don't think he goes and wins Spencer Rattler. I, I don't he, think he, he gets wasn't that. bringing. He he yeah. would have brought Baker Mayfield in here, but he would have brought Kyler Murray and Jalen mm-hmm. Saunders and uh, you know Caleb Williams. Yeah, he wouldn't have been it, able. He certainly he didn't. Have, he, he certainly wouldn't have been able to lose a Brock Vandegrift and then go and sign an even better quarterback. Like that's just not how he's built. Yep. I mean, guys, if we if we remember, I mean, he didn't get Kyler Murray. That that was that was one of those ones where OU was kind of battling trying to be involved in that. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think a lot of people are going to land Kyler Murray. So that's not really what I put on him. But, again, it, it's just one of these things where his ability to identify and develop, I don't think anybody can argue with. But is he going to go land the elite guys at other positions? That That's what he's going to have to find a way to do or hire a staff that can do it for him. I really shouldn't have taken that bite of pizza. I was hoping that's somebody not else pizza in. that you're eating, by the way. That's like bread and some cheese filled into a yogurt cup. It's a wheat, whole wheat tortilla that makes a fantastic pizza crust when you put it that in the is oven. A, that is offensive. It's cold. You're washing it down with root beer? <laughs> Don't get me started on the root, root beer. Is fan- Where did this root beer thing come from? Uh, one of the One of the local Channel 5 guys, like, Came out with a list of stuff they should, yeah, you should stop like uh, e- uh, producing or making or whatever. And uh, root beer was on there. I was like, yeah, you know what? This guy's right. Root beer is one of my favorite things on this earth. Like I, I loved growing up going to A and W, 
and they would bring out like this gallon of root beer in a glass jug, and you would take it home, and you would put it in the know. refrigerator. It was so cold. Like, it was fantastic. I still love A&W root beer to this day. You've never Hand had like, a root beer float? I don't flow? know if I've ever spent money at A&W root beer. Hand up. Yep. No, yeah. never been. Well, they kind of disappeared. I said when I was little, by the way. I, I don't even I know remember... if they exist anymore. When I was a kid, I liked Coit's in Oklahoma City. Oh, like, I remember liking been, their root Coit's beer. Coit's is just yeah. like A&W. It's really good, Yeah, too. But as I got older, I don't know. Like It was like one day I just didn't like it anymore. And I, I still, to this day, don't like root beer. Now, a cream soda, I'll do that any day of the week, oh, and I have opinions on all kinds of cream sodas. But yeah, the I've got, I've got zero interest in root beer. Yeah, I can't support your cream soda addiction. Oh, that's, uh, that's... Little breaking news out of the transfer portal. Uh, Tate Martell has entered, if anybody's interested in that. As, what's as, he entered as? As what? Yeah. yeah as what? Uh, looks like he is transferring from, finally from Miami, because remember, he just opted out of 2020. Yes. But is he a quarterback? Is he a receiver? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll be as an influencer. I don't know if it'll be <laughs> as, as, as a certain position. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I was curious where that all started because it was offensive to me. Uh, but no, I mean, Eddie, low-calorie food, healthy living, it's not so bad. I'm not going to hate you for it, but I am going to give you shit. I mean, I'll eat a pizza on my cheat day, but this is what I get right now, and I love damn pizza. Sure, damn sure better. No, no, because chicken and bacon chalupas are back at Taco Bell, so that's going to be my cheat day, the next cheat day. It's not the chicken bacon ranch chalupa, which was the best chalupa of all time. Which is so weird, because I'm so not a Taco Bell guy. They pull me in with the chalupa. I This is new. I can't believe of all the cheats you could have, Taco Bell is what you want to be your cheat day. That's amazing. Just for the chicken and bacon chalupa, though. Okay. okay. Hey, you know. Otherwise, I'm going to like Vans or getting Sandro's pizza. Meatball sub, something like that. See, that all feels worthy. That all feels like a sound decision of, for a cheat day. Uh, I talked to Mike Stoops last night. I'm a brag. No, I don't even want to bring it up, <laughs> but because I know it's just like you know reporting that thing about Texas, I, which I didn't get from him. Uh, has that been since the last pod? Has that come out? I guess that would have had to Friday, come out Friday, so yeah. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was Friday night, so no, we haven't really talked about it. I mean, I'll say it. Texas f***ed him over. He got f***ed. Yep. Yeah, he really did. I don't even know. You can be mad at Mike Soups all you want. There's a way you do stuff, and there's a way you don't do stuff, and that was that was just – I mean, and guys, this is exactly what we talk about with Texas. This is the shit that has nothing to do with football that hurts that program over and over again. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it, it you, I do agree with people that say that Del Conte should take the blame for not reading the room on that. I mean, he knows his donors. He had to know, and maybe he just didn't want to tell Sarkeesian no on his first selection, but he had to know that was going to be a tough hire. I mean, it, it basically, you could tell how it worked. I mean, like I said, Mike, I hadn't talked to Mike about how it went down. I did a little bit last night, but I, before I reported all that stuff, um, I hadn't talked to him. I just talked to people close to him. And it was, I mean, it's obvious from talking to people that he got screwed over, but it was obvious, even if I didn't know what I knew, 
that as soon as it came out, somebody put the kibosh on it. It was just too obvious. I mean, it was well, so obvious that it, some donor, probably one that was paying you know, Tom Herman's buyout, said, I didn't pay all this money so you could bring in that guy. Here's what was confusing to me is that he was picked by Sarkeesian the Friday before, and then we went a whole week of nothing. So did they just keep it under wraps for that entire week? And then the Thursday night, when that report came out from AL.com, like at 11, 11 o'clock at night, is that was, was that the first time that those Texas donors really knew that Mike Stoops was the choice? I it, think so. I mean, I, yeah. And that would know, signal that, that Del Conte was hiding week. that from donors. Like he knew it wasn't smart to put it out there. Like he was hoping to, to kind of, you know, wrangle that thing through under the table almost. That's my guess. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I, like I said, it was just because so, Thursday night there were multiple reports like it's going to be Mike Stoops, yep. and then Friday morning you wake up and they you know I think it was Brian Davis from the Statesman was like we've been told that the, the or Sarkeesian says this is not happening. I mean it it happened fast. Whatever it was, however exactly it played out. Yeah. There's like no source says it. Sarkeesian tells yeah. me Mike Stoops is not the guy. Like, which wow. which tells you someone told him, "Hey, get out there and get in front of this thing. Like you're, you're it's got to be you. It can't be sources battling in the in the newspapers." But the bad thing about it is, in I did confirm that. I mean, it it is absolutely true that Mike Stoops turned down the North Texas defensive coordinator job with Seth Luttrell because he had that Texas job, so it screwed him out of that. It screwed him out of SMU because uh, I know it was Pete Thamel reported it this morning, but uh, because I think I think Sonny Dykes was kind of messing around with the Tennessee job too, and he had already agreed to hire Jim Levitt uh, from where is he at FAU I think, uh, so he'd already made plans and told Jim Levitt he had the job before he found out that Mike no longer had the Texas job too. It's crazy how it all trickles down. I do think that he's I I will say this from what I talked to Mike about last night he's not headed back to Alabama I don't think. I think he's I think he's got something lined up. I don't know what That's it good. is and he wouldn't tell me because he said I he basically said I ain't saying shit till I sign a contract this time. <laughs> I'd have a hard time keeping my mouth shut if I was him. I'd go full throttle after Texas. I you know Probably why I'd be unemployable as a uh, college football head coach, and that doesn't even begin to talk about the type of cheating we'd be doing. Look, there's no doubt, talking to him, he's done a lot of soul-searching. He's done, you know, he's he know, he understands that he needed a rehab. He understands that, you know, the things that he was doing were not working, and I think he kind of understands, you know, he needed to change his approach and the way that he deals with players. And, you know, how he teaches players and how he gets players to do what he's telling them to do. I mean, that was always his biggest problem is he would just kind of lose people. And people weren't really listening to him. They would tune him out because you can only yell at somebody so much before they just tune you out. Sure. Well, and that's 
pretty funny because there were a lot of there were some you know that kind of made it sound like oh no that's just the this generation's just too soft and they can't get like Mike recognized it I don't know why some couldn't like it just it, I like p- people don't forget how to coach like that's an old adage but it's right like Mike's a smart guy he knows football that was not the problem there was some disconnect from his message to what was getting there and we said it on the pod. For a long time there, guys. It wasn't that Mike just became stupid. Mike just, for whatever reason, it wouldn't connect. And you go and work around that staff at Alabama, I'm sure he picked up a few tricks. Yeah, and I don't and I don't want to get too psychological about it, but I, I think there's something to be said about, you know, him getting fired at his job at Arizona and maybe what that did to him. Like just mm-hmm. send him into bizarro mode a little bit. Yeah. Just Instead not of having able a little time to, yeah, have a little time to kind of process it, just immediately jumping back into Oklahoma. Go ahead. I just Bob. think you can't use the same approach for every player, and I think that's what he really did. Because you you still see guys like Oboe and Zach Sanchez and people like that stick up for Mike because they were able they bloomed to react that. in a yeah. positive way. Yeah, but if you if you can't handle that. Then as a coach, you've got to find another way to connect, and that seemed to be the missing link the entire time. It's what happened to me in seventh grade math. I mean, I get it. You know, I was a math whiz, and then once we had algebra, I got a bad teacher, and she could only <laughs> teach me one way. And I was a shame. I was a scourge of math teachers from that point on. So it it, it happens. You gotta you gotta have more than one way to do it. Somehow, I don't think your dad is that worried about your math now after what you've turned out to be. Yeah, my dad has a lot of reason to be worried about me. My math is probably not the top of the list. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Mike's going to get a job. I think it's, you know, I, his rehab is well underway. Uh, I, I, I think being a, And here's one thing that, you know, brought up, you know, talking to me. He was just talking to me just about, because you guys saw this yesterday when Alabama, all their measurements were being shown at the Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, and everybody was just like, okay, look at that hand size. Okay, look at that wingspan. Like, okay, look at that weight. Look at that. Like, their guys are just different from everybody else. And Saban specifically, like, we know how it works. They can recruit whoever they want, but they're also smart enough to know exactly who they should and shouldn't be recruiting. It's because they take a lot of... Uh, the uh, a lot of study goes into you know guys and measurables. Like I would imagine when a kid comes to visit them, they're doing like you know the underwear Olympics, like doing measurements, doing all this stuff. Like they treat it just like there's a reason the NFL puts you through that crap because that stuff matters to them because they know if you have measurables, you eliminate some of the variables of whether you can be successful or not. And, I mean, Alabama lives and dies by that. Saban lives and dies by that. And, like, that's the stuff that Heupel's going to be combating when he's at Tennessee. Like you guys said, they have recruited really well. But when you go, Josh, you know this, when you go from a a group of five school to a power five, and not just a power five, but an SEC power five school, you don't realize the type of athlete you have to be recruiting to win a conference like that. Guys, I cover Oklahoma recruiting. I see some of the best players in the country every year that are going to Oklahoma. I remember a couple years ago being at the Under Armour All American game, the check in. I'm sitting there in the uh, the lobby, is you know, and the a whole media just kind of sits in one room, 
and you wait for players to come in from their flights from the airport, and you're just kind of waiting to do the interviews you need to do. And, you know, it's just a group of us sitting there talking. And this kid walks in, and I'm like, God, dog, who's that guy? You know, and I'm thinking he's like an outside linebacker or something. He's a corner committed to Alabama, and you're like, holy crap. Like, I mean, it just – Alabama guys, when they walk in the room, they look different. They're different types of guys. And that's why these people get in these conversations like, oh, there was somebody on the board today that was kind of mocking OU fans for being, you know, like, oh, you guys are still into the height, weight, you know, speed thing. That won't hurt Ronnie Perkins, blah, blah. That's, it does. It matters. Like, it, it's not something you can just ignore because if all things are equal, I want the height, weight, speed guy. Now, I, I get that I don't want the height, weight, speed guy that can't catch a cold or can't tackle anybody. You can't. You have to have football skill, I understand. But this idea that general managers and all these, you know, all the elite football teams, they all look a certain way, that's not an accident. That's not some anomaly that just happened. The, they are looking for specific traits, and one of those traits is size and speed. Which is what Grinch is trying to do with the secondary, and what he's doing a good job at, at, at procuring, kind of. I mean, oh, they, they. You look at what they're, I and I honestly, I need to do a story on it where we kind of compare the first three, you know, his first two years and what the height weight looks like compared to what the two years prior to him look like. I mean, Jordan Mukes. Now they go off of the Jaden Rowe kid from Tulsa Union that's listed at six three, like one eighty five. I mean. They are. There is a very clear message and idea of what they're trying to be in that secondary. And you know what, Josh? What's interesting is you and I probably are guilty of this, but like when you see a Jordan Mukes and you see a kid like that, and he's bigger than most people that play his position in high school, you you kind of immediately are like, hmm, I wonder if he can really play this position in college. Like your your yep. first your first instinct is to be skeptical. When you see a guy that is way bigger than everybody, like it's, it, the perfect example is the kid we saw. Uh, what was the kid from the East Coast uh, that came here tried to play outside linebacker, never could. Oh, Ricky DeBerry. Ricky DeBerry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Carrie, you're absolutely right. I mean, th- there is, guys. Uh, another good example is a couple years ago the guy that played Arkansas, Dan Skipper. He was great oh, on tape. Yeah. Dan Skipper was six foot ten. I mean, like he like there's big offensive linemen that was like, oh my god. I mean, he was three thirty and looked like a power forward. I mean, like it just he was that tall and long. But you know that that's kind of there were people, and I I thought oh you should have recruited Dan Skipper, but I think there were people that were concerned that he was so far outside of the norm. Almost in the same direction of like, well, we're not going to recruit a six foot offensive lineman either. Like, there, there is a, there's a scope you're looking for, a spectrum you want to fit within. And if you don't, that makes life harder. And it's, again, I, I think things that, that fans don't think about sometimes, a coach has to take inventory. You know, what did we recruit? Well, you know, we recruited this six foot guy. We recruited this six foot nine guy. No, we, we landed six foot six. We landed six foot seven. We recruited the same guy that Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State offered. You can defend those decisions. When you recruit the guy that nobody else recruits and you say, you kind of stand on the table and say, you know, Lincoln Riley or whoever your head coach is, I want this guy. You're going to have to answer for that. You're going to have to stand behind that. And if you're right, great. But the odds are you're going to be wrong because if you're right and everybody else is wrong, then you're a genius. But again, the odds are everybody else isn't wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things. You just have to fight your own instincts to say, okay, this is this is actually what you're looking for. Not it's it's not an anomaly that you know you have to worry about. Like, yeah, if you find that, embrace that. Like, you need, and I think that's just normal that people don't embrace it when when you see a guy like a Jordan Mukes or. Uh, I mean, there's some guys, I mean, like Adrian Peterson, just a freak. I mean, there's there's no question. You take him no matter what. I yeah. mean, like, I remember the first time I saw Reuben Foster at Five Star, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know humans like that even existed. And who was at the uh, Black Shark kid uh, from Duncanville that went to Alabama? Yeah. Oh, Kendrick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kendrick Black Shark. Yeah. Kendrick? I mean, he's that same type of build where you're just like, holy f- Guys, I, I've seen Army and Under Armour All-Americans that as seniors didn't look nearly as good as he looked as a freshman. Like, I mean, that that's how freakish he was from, like, birth. But at the same time, Kerry, you're exactly right. Because, guys, I can remember us all standing there on that sideline at that Rivals camp when we first saw him, and it was like, well, he's going to turn into a defensive end. Like, you just, yeah. like, you're like, there's yeah. no way that that's going to last. Talk that about Ruben Foster. Yeah, no, I'm talking about Blackshirt. No, Blackshirt, like, okay. And, yeah. But, yeah, but Foster same sort of idea um but yeah you're right because but i mean but at the same time carrie it's one of those things you love about going for the height weight speed guys well if jordan mukes doesn't work out at safety he's big enough you can slide him down to will and give him a try now it may not work but at least that option exists like if you had signed i don't know let's say trey norwood you can't slide trey norwood down to will if it doesn't work out at safety that you're just eating that scholarship it's gone but at least with Mukes, you can say, well, okay, we've got a backup plan. We've got something else we could do here. So th- th- it's, it's always good to kind of have that avenue that you can go down. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, guys, it, it, like I said, it's not coincidence that you look at the NFL draft and height, weight, speed is usually what people are, rec- are what they're drafting. It's not just recruiting. It exists at the top level of football as well. Okay, it's come that time again for us to tell you about our great friends at Dead Soxy, deadsoxy.com, the uh, patented no-slip silicone beads and the welt. They keep those sock from slipping down on you, uh, and uh, we just love them. I tell you guys all the time about uh, how much I wear the no-show socks, even with tennis shoes. It just makes you feel like uh, your feet are on a uh, cloud and uh, just makes you feel lighter. They really do. Just great fabric, Eddie. Uh, slips right on and uh, washes well, but uh, some of the highest quality socks I've ever had. I don't know. I don't know if you've been uh, in this luxury sock market. I don't know if you've been in this game before. Gary, I was Soxy. never in the sock game before I got with Dead Soxy. And you know what I've noticed? My feet no longer sweat. That's what I think my biggest quality of life change has been over the past, uh, you know, three four months. And it's probably the best part is they just don't sweat, and I'm ready for golf season. So of course I'm ready to slip on the no-show socks. It's going to be perfect. The no-slip silicone beads are perfect. 30% promo code with Sooner Scoop. Just use the keyword boomer. There goes Ramondre Stevenson running down the field. He could probably use some no-shows. His socks are showing. Uh, Yeah, and I think it's just kind of one of those things, too, Eddie. I mean, a lot of people don't leave the house very much. I know you do, uh, because you're just a walking COVID. Uh, Well, But, you know, when you do leave the house, it's kind of cool to put on some nice socks and feel good about yourself when you're out running around, running to errands. And uh, it just makes it a little bit of joy in an otherwise pandemic-filled world. Um, So, yeah. This way. Soon we're all going to be vaccinated. If you choose, 
And everybody's going to be outside, and you're going to need them because the weather's going to be nice as well. Oh, that'll be so nice. Uh, go to deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Use your promo code BOOMER, and you'll get 30% off the best dress socks that you've ever put on. Just like me and Eddie, just like me and Eddie uh, remember, stay soxy. All right, well, with the transfer portal, uh, I know everyone was kind of wringing their hands early, uh, thinking, oh, God, are we ever going to get anybody of significance here? And now, all of a sudden, uh, it's just been a boon for uh, Lincoln Riley and the OU program because you start off, you get your uh, backup quarterback, your arm, you basically your camp arm. I mean, you almost refer to this guy as. I know that's insulting. Uh <laughs> You know, to uh, the guy's name, I can't even remember now. Uh, Micah Bowens. Bowens. Uh, Micah Bowens. Like, but he's a capable guy. That's what you needed. And I don't even mind that they had to give up a scholarship to secure a guy like that because it really does help Spencer Rattler and it allows Caleb Williams to kind of develop. Uh, and it, the thing that I think, and you know, we've talked about it a lot, like you just need a guy in practice to run, you know, t- to take snaps and take throws off of Spencer Rattler's arm uh, because otherwise, if you don't have enough quarterbacks, he's going to get worn down by the end of the year. He just is. But I, let's talk yeah. about Bowens first. But Bishop Gorman guy uh, went to Penn State. Uh, and, I mean, what what c- kind of got go over what we know about him, guys? Bob, we can start with you. Very, very confident guy. When I had that interview uh, Thursday, you know, someone who definitely has a lot of faith and his ability, and just said, you know, I understand Spencer Rattler's there. I understand they just picked up Caleb Williams. I'm just not scared to compete. I'm going to go up against the best. And, you know, this this situation doesn't intimidate me whatsoever. Now, I, I don't know if that's going to mean anything in the long run or if this is really just his chance to learn what he can from Lincoln Riley for a couple of years and then try to apply it later but a very ultra confident kid for, you know, when you're transferring after one year and it didn't work out, you maybe feel like you may have been humbled a bit. He still seemed as eager as perhaps he was when he was back in high school. Can he just be plug and replace Chandler Morris? I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see about that, but you, you, you understand what, what they are willing to take the chance on and you understand why he's willing to make that chance. I mean, he was talking about how to go from Bishop Gorman or Vegas to Penn state, you had to do a five hour flight and then another connect. Huh. I guess we lost Bob. We lost Bob. Moral of the story is people don't realize how just out there state college is. It's in the middle of goddamn nowhere. To me, it's, it's just like, it's, it's something that you hope to get. He got it. And that's, you know, it, that's kind of the bonus baby of the portal. But I obviously the biggest news so far is Keyshawn Lawrence. Uh, and you get a safety. And, and or Wanya Morris. And, Wa- well, Wanya Morris too, yeah. But um, of this week. Of this week, yeah. Bob is yes. back with us. Ke- um, yeah. But let's, uh, I don't know, Josh, you want to start there with, with Keyshawn Lawrence? I mean, a guy that had a relationship with, uh, Roy Manning in Oklahoma in the past has been in on a visit. Uh, but obviously, you know, from what we know, that that I, I would assume that that paid off, having that relationship. Yeah, I mean, and guys, this was a lot like Wanya Morris. Like, almost immediately, or not even immediately, before he even got into the portal, you were hearing 
boy, if he goes in and everybody thinks he's gonna, it sure sounds like he's going to Oklahoma. And you're like, what? Uh, okay, like it with Morris, I was super skeptical. I was like, I I don't know. Like that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like anything Oklahoma usually does. Like they're gonna check all their boxes and kind of run through things. But with Lawrence, you're like, well, okay. I mean, it happened once. I don't know why it wouldn't happen again. And sure as the world. I mean, I think he was in the portal for two or three days, something like that, yep. before he announced. Friday, I mean, it, it was Friday afternoon, Friday to and then yeah, Monday, Friday to Monday, Monday. Yeah, announced. So you know, there there just wasn't much time and lapse in there. So you know, as far as a player, though, I mean, you talk about two safeties. You know, and I know everybody's so excited about Justin Harrington. We've certainly been a part of that kind of buzz around him but you talk about two guys that complement each other nicely Harrington and Lawrence are a very very nice complimentary pair Harrington is a natural free wants to play deep all that sort of stuff Lawrence can play some nickel he could play safety he's really good near the line of scrimmage he wants to come up and play run uh he's a guy big high school running back background so he's He's kind of used to being around the line of scrimmage, playing in traffic, doing some of those things. So you, you talk about, like I said, a free and a strong that make a lot of sense that are going to come in and immediately provide competition for Turner, Yale, and Fields. That those two are, that's the, that's where they're going to be seen. I'd be shocked if that's not the roles they're competing in. Um, with Lawrence kind of trying to take Turner, Yale's spot and Harrington obviously pushing Fields. So there's, um, it's one of those deals where I get it as an OU fan. You start looking at that safety room, and all of a sudden it looks a lot different where you've got a couple of NFL-level talents, but can they take the job from guys who are far more experienced? And, guys, we all know that's something Alex Grinch puts a lot of stock in. I mean, especially at that position, he wants guys he knows and he can trust. Can Harrington and Lawrence bridge that gap? Can they get over that divide? When when you were... It's, I was just going to say real quick, it's an unfair question, but can they? <laughs> like On January 27th, would you project those guys to win those jobs? Day one, I bet you. I would bet no. money day one, Turner, Yale, and Fields are your starters. No, and that's going to piss everybody off. And Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, does OU have an unexpected loss somewhere in there? Because we know that's been the history for 20 years. As soon as OU loses a game, all the changes that seemed kind of obvious all of a sudden become possible. You know, Fields actually had a decent year. He just can't catch Mm -hmm. a football. That's his biggest problem, and people hate him for it. Yeah. He really – he didn't have a bad year. He didn't – I would say of the two – Turner Yell was the more disappointing to me. I really thought this year could be a kind of not like a breakout, like he was going to be an All American or anything. But I thought he had a chance to be an All Big Twelve kind of guy, and that just never happened. It just never really came together for him. But he was kind of he was silent in a good way, which you know you didn't see people running behind him a lot. He yeah. just wasn't that guy that came up and and made big plays at the line of scrimmage or you know, sniffed out a run play or this or that, which you would expect him to do at his position every once in a while. Yeah, well, I mean, that's decide. his game. He's a big play kind of guy. Like, he, he's not a – I don't know how great his value is if he's not doing things that are going to impact the game one way or the other. I mean, like, I always liked him in high school because he was so aggressive. And you knew there was going to be some blowback from that. There would be bad moments. But you thought, well, okay, he'll create some fumbles, maybe some interceptions. He'll get in some passing lanes. You know, do some tackles for loss. You know, whatever. He he was going to make positive plays as well. But in the end, he just kind of is out there. And that's 
Pat Fields, I'm fine if you don't ever notice Pat Fields. I think that is the way you want his game to go and with where he is on the field. Because if you don't see him, they're not hitting you big deep. They're not working you over the middle. There's a lot of good things happening if Pat Fields is not on your TV screen. I just wanted to circle back with Lawrence is why I felt confident that Reggie Grimes connection that you knew was there. And sometimes as much as those coaches have to wait, as Alex Grinch and Roy Manning, Lincoln Riley had to wait till Lawrence hit the portal, you know, he had to be talking with Grimes and Woody Washington and getting a real feel of, of what's going on. And then you, I'm sure you guys saw yesterday, what Grimes, father posted on Twitter was that, childhood photo of Reggie and Keyshawn being you know teammates way way back in the day and it's just when you've got that built-in connection then you add in the fact that he'd been to OU so it's not like he's coming here sight unseen and not knowing what to expect it just made a lot of sense that you're passing on Darian Wright Straw they're passing on every other guy in the secondary because they know full well that once Lawrence hit they were going to attack and they were going to get him now, uh, you mentioned, Bob, uh, biggest news of the, of the week so far, uh, but there's another Tennessee guy, Josh, that you <laughs> posted about uh, last night on the board that uh, things look good for OU to reel in yet another. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. I mean, like, at some point, is Oklahoma diminishing themselves by bringing in too much Tennessee? Like, is there, there's a line where like, okay, we're going to start poisoning the well if we're not careful. But no, uh, running back Eric Gray is, um, a guy that visited both Texas and Oklahoma over the weekend. Uh, I was told as recently as probably last Thursday that Oklahoma was not sure if he was a take for them. They, they were still looking over some things, trying to make some decisions. And I think it was really coming down to, is this guy good enough for us to potentially risk losing out on a guy that might jump in the portal later on? So I think they kind of went through that, and they just decided they need they need help in that running back room. And Eric Gray is a all-purpose back kind of guy, really good receiver out of the backfield. They can use him a lot of ways. So he makes some sense for OU. He really does. Kind of, kind of a TJ Pledger type of player. I think he's a little more explosive than Pledger. Um but, you know, that kind of role is what, what I would see for him. But, uh, yeah, last night I was told that he had informed um, the Texas staff that it was going to be Oklahoma, and that's really the two schools that it had come down to. Now, with his situation, he's not quite as far down the line as, like, Morris and Lawrence are. Does he listen to Josh Heupel? Does Josh Heupel yeah. reach out to him? Really you know, like, you, you wonder a little bit about that and if that, that could be an issue. But, I mean – you just don't know. I mean, that, that's something I, I can only go off what I know right now. And what I know is he told sources at Texas that it was going to be Oklahoma. So we'll see when and if he announces it publicly, and then we can all kind of move forward from there. Yeah, I will say the one thing about, you know, a Josh Heupel offense is not like he's known for any running backs in particular. And there is a lot of empty stuff, a lot of receiver stuff, a lot of one back stuff. And that Bryles system that he runs. So I don't know. If I just it's... think of at Texas Tech when Cody Thomas threw three, three interceptions and they just gave the P Ryan the entire second half. 
You gotta lean on your running back. Oh, I just mean I just mean Josh to not run the ball against those tech teams. Yeah, I just meant him at UCF and kind of what he's built out there. Like I don't I mean, you think about quarterbacks, but you don't really think about running backs in terms of what, you know, Eric Gray might look for if you know, with Josh Heupel's offense. If he if he does try and talk him into staying. I don't know that he has a big selling point on why a running back should stay, is what I'm saying. So uh well, okay, so, I mean, that seems like, I mean, that has to be, like, it for the portal, right? Or Big Cat's still out there. Oh, Big Cat. Oh, God. Eric Gosh. Gilbert's still out there. I mean, like, oh, yeah. I, Eric Gilbert. I mean, and, and I don't think Gilbert's going to happen, but I don't think the door has been completely shut, so you got to at least acknowledge that it exists. Um, with with Big Cat, though, I, I don't know. The, the, it feels like if he was really going to go to Oklahoma – it feels like that would have already happened. Like, what what other option did he have that he's excited about? It feels like he's waiting to figure out whatever's going to happen with Kevin Steele, and then he'll respond accordingly. So if Josh Heupel you, were to yeah. keep Kevin Steele, he's going to go to Tennessee. If he if they don't, then wherever Kevin Steele lands, which Kevin Steele will get a job somewhere, he, he's a good coach, um, then Brian will follow him. Or, you know, their defensive line coach at Auburn, Rodney Garner, uh, it, it could be just following him somewhere. So there's a lot of ways that can go. But man, I and I know. Don't get me wrong. OU still working. There's still hope here. But it just feels like the momentum is starting to wane a little bit. Like it, when 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 everything happened at Tennessee and Oklahoma just continued to press on Big Cat Bryant, you felt like okay, m- maybe this can happen. But right now, it feels like if not now, then when? I mean, it, at what point is it going to be? you know, clearer and better for him to jump. Do the Sooners kind of push it out there and say, hey, we got to know? You, you think they've reached that point? I don't I don't think so because I think I think they they know what Big Cat Brian is. He's a luxury. He's a guy that's going to come in. You've got a year to give him. You've got a scholarship free because of the, you know, the 110 jump next year. So you can do all this, and it doesn't matter. So, like, they don't need him. He's not a... He's not a guy you have to have. He's not. It's not like Wanye Morris that like oh you needed Wanye Morris. Oh you needed Keyshawn Lawrence. Oh you needed a running back that they may may or may not have gotten in Eric Gray. So those all made sense. Like you had to push him. Take your time, man. Do whatever you're gonna do. You know, like now the thing I do wonder is if you want to come in here and compete in the spring, you better get moving. Like the, 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 right. I mean, schools. You know, classes started Monday. I know workouts started today, so you, you need to get going if you're going to do it. The way I understand it, the last day for like add and drop is next Friday, the 5th. So that makes me think that's the deadline for any of these, like Keyshawn Lawrence, he's still not in the database uh, either, that if those guys are really going to contribute for the spring, they've got to be in by next Friday. Yep. Um. Is Oklahoma is I mean if they get Eric Gray I know you don't you would love to have you know Ramondre Stevenson and uh, Ronnie <clears throat> Perkins back but would you guys say coming out of the portal that they've done everything they needed to do to to replace what they lost and be considered a, a college football playoff favorite next year? I think they did everything they could have done. Like you'd like I mean to me. The the hole that I see on this team is an elite back. I just I don't see it. I don't you know, and I, I think it's known I'm not the biggest Kennedy Brooks fan in the world, 
But, I mean, Kennedy's a good player. He's, don't better, get me wrong, he's but, better than if he had T.J. Pledger as your star. Sure, absolutely, 100%. Now, but, I mean, is he a clear step back from Ramondre Stevenson? Yeah, he is. Um, so, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, but, you know, that, again, the elite back that was going to fix OU's backfield, I don't know if that guy was in the portal. So, I don't know what OU's supposed to do about that. They can't make a guy appear or make him exist. So, I, I think they've done really, really well. I mean, they, they hit the marks that they could and had to hit. And, you know, guys, what would you say? Lawrence and Morris are probably the two most talented guys that went in the portal, and they landed both of them? I mean, you've got a couple yeah. other pretty guys close. at Tennessee, yeah, but they, but they yeah, haven't gone anywhere. Sure. So at, at least at, at those positions. Although, Josh, sure. I do have something to tell you that I haven't told you. And I, know, oh, I didn't no. tell you because you, you don't want to hear this. Oh, no. Uh, I do believe that Kamar Wheaton will be back in the portal after talking <sighs> to someone. That just shouldn't shock Wait, me. Wait, you mean, I mean he's going to decommit? Well, yeah, yep. I guess. I guess. Did he sign? He, signed he never no, signed. No. Okay, yeah. No, because he, he committed so he after do, signing. Yeah, day. I mean, basically, he could be out on the market again is what I'm being told. Okay. Oh, oh good. Good, good. And Josh just died a little inside. <laughs> yep. He's back. Uh, Seriously, he he's like the the villain in a horror movie. Like he won't die. Like he just keeps coming. By the back. way, I'm pretty sure that even Alabama feels the way you do about this kid at this point because they have no effing clue either. It, no, I mean, like I said, that when we were taking all that heat, I was like, guys, no one knows what Kamar Wheaton is thinking. I don't know that Kamar Wheaton knows what he's thinking. Like it just he wakes up and every day is a new one. He is. 10 second Tom from, you know, uh, I mean, it's 40, better. It's better that being that way than just flat out lying to people like Tristan Lee did. Yeah. Oh, agreed. I agree. I got, no, I, agree. I got no problem with the way like, people were trying to make Kamar like a diva. A diva would be in the spotlight trying to get the recruiting attention. Kamar wanted nothing to do with any of it. Um, he doesn't even I, want to do anything with signing with someone. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk to the coaches. Like there's, there's nothing diva about the way Kamar Wheaton's done it. It's just baffling to handle it the way he's handled. It. I mean, like, imagine trying to decide between two great companies that you might work for that are a huge part of your potential future, and you're like, I'm not going to go in for the interview. I'm just going to kind of shoot this thing blind. Like, uh, okay, I mean, I guess, but I did, you I, feel like you'd want more info. I said this to someone the other day, I, and uh, I'll just say it was uh, someone that coaches. I said, the thing that worries me about Kamar Wheaton is that you you rarely run across guys that have a personality like his and who also don't have the tape that other you know players that are that are considered in his category have like he doesn't have the tape to justify his ranking really although he does have the tape to I mean like it's just there's there's two huge unknowns about this kid that makes me worry about like if you if he was your only elite back in your program like I don't know that I'd feel comfortable that our running back you know, position was taken care of. Like, there's a, I think there is bust potential there. Oh, in a, in a huge way. In a huge, huge way. I mean, and, and what I'm saying is the coach agreed 100%. Like, he, yeah. he's rarely seen kids like this. I, I will say, if you were going to ask me, I mean, and I don't even mean like, oh, Kamar Wheaton's first round pick, all American. If you were going to ask me if he's an all conference player 
or a guy that never gets more than 100 college carries, I'd probably bet on the second one. Like, and it's not that I don't like Kamar. It's not that I think he's a bad kid. He's just wired a little differently. And usually that stuff, like, I mean, and I don't, when I say wired differently, I don't mean bad. Like, I just, I don't know if he doesn't care. I don't know what it is. But usually when you operate that differently from the status quo, it comes back to bite you. Something, something in there runs them up. I just don't ever remember a time when we've sent Eddie to go film someone that highly recruited and he came away going, didn't do shit. Like, Yep. How often does that it ever was, happen? It was just a. It was amazing. Like I, I, it was almost dumbfounding how just. I I think the longest run that we got was, I, I was telling one of the uh, rivals video guys. Uh, I was sending him some video from that game not uh, too long ago, and it's just like, I mean, I think our longest run that he had was like twelve yards, and it was, you know, he kind of dragged a couple guys, but it wasn't anything impressive. It was just crazy. Yep. But you look at him, it's like, I don't know why he doesn't produce. And I, I mean, he, and then like the next week, he put up like 240 and had four touchdowns. Right. He's so had games. I might be where, where he's done it. Yeah. I mean, like, well, it would be so much easier, like, if he played for Alito. I mean, because, you know, every yeah, time we sure. went and saw uh, what's his name play, it was like, we had like more highlights than we needed after 15 minutes of, of game film. I mean, like, but he just, he doesn't play on a team like that. No, he, I, I, it's wild. Well, and and the other thing is that concerns you is he plays in a terrible district. Like there shouldn't, I, like if Eddie had perfect example, Carrie, if he'd gone to see him against Alito, okay, you get it. Jace Alito's McClellan, really by the way, freak, I left out the name. Yeah, if you see Kamara go against Alito and he doesn't get much, okay, fine. Alito's really, really good, and his team's really, really not. Kamar's playing on a bad team against other bad teams. Yeah. Like it's like it should Forest or somebody. Yep. Yeah. Naaman Forest. Yep. And and literally now maybe maybe Naaman Forest just has a secret that they'll have to pass on to Alabama opponents or wherever Kamar ends up because I saw him against Naaman Forest the year before and I don't think I saw him clip a twelve yard run. I think I saw about six <laughs> and seven and he I think he had seventy eight yards on the night or something like that on like twenty three carries like. A guy with his speed, he should break a 30-yarder in a game like that just by accident. Like, it should just – somebody got out of position, and he's so fast and so good, he made him pay for it. And he just never, ever did. And he just needs to have another dream, right? If there was a dream that told him to pick Bama, he's still waiting for that next dream to tell him where to go. That felt vaguely snob. I mean, I'm telling you, Bob is getting a little. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any hard feelings toward him. I just thought that was a funny story. We should oh, take so... it to a dream analyst and see what they say. <laughs> dream analyst? Like a sleep analyst. Like if your teeth fall out, it means you're worried about money. Um, sir, this man's dreaming of playing for Nick Saban. Well, he has clearly has some need for, uh, to, you know, he has some father issues he needs to work out. Oh, they're, so you're dreaming just... of oatmeal pies? Is that what's going on? Oh, who doesn't dream of those? I do like oatmeal pies. Weird out, that's oh, weird out of context. You know what? Oatmeal pies and root, <laughs> oatmeal pies and root beer just load me up. I'm a uh, happy man. That's no, you even had to worse just go out of context. And, you had to just go and ruin it. You don't like oatmeal pies? I love oatmeal pies. Okay. I can't stand root beer. Okay. Everybody's got their thing, man. Do you, do you guys know all that we've talked about in this podcast? I guarantee root beer gets heavy traffic on the corner 
of the conversation. Screw you, McQuistion. Root beer is the greatest thing ever existed. I think it, I think root beer might be an Oklahoma thing. Is root beer an Oklahoma thing? No. No. It's no. a northern no. thing, no. too. Yeah. Yep. It's really popular it's in Texas. It's not a south thing. It's, it's definitely a northern, more of a yep. northern kind of thing. Okay. It's kind of like Mr. Pibb used to be a big thing up north. I bet. I, uh, I bet. I'll Bob's take a Mr. Pibb over. Oh yeah. I think the first time I ever saw Mr. Pibb in real life was in Yukon, Oklahoma, at like a dollar movie, and it like shook me forever. Well, I mean, like you, you saw like Mr. Pibb, like the the sir, or like the drink. Like the drink, like the first time I ever okay. saw it, sir. <laughs> I was like, is there like a a, a guy rolling around like in a Mr. Pibb? <laughs> this is amazing. I'm uh, I'm interested. It's like a it was like a fa- being served as a fountain yeah. out there. Yeah, it's that's Never one of the weird to- things. Like the only place you ever find it, really. I mean, you know, you can find it in some convenience stores, but largely is movie theaters because they've got yeah. some sort of problem with Dr Pepper. I don't know what that is. I think in is, Texas it's called Pib Extra now. There's just not like Mister Pib. They call it like Pib Extra, and it's got to be like yeah. It's like we're we're extreme. Well, they've got they've got to find a different. I mean, this state is Dr Pepper crazy, so oh there has God. to be some differentiation. Dr. And I love Dr Pepper. You want to talk about I'll a take trash a pill any day. soda? Let's talk about Dr. Oh Pepper. no, yep. sir! No, no. <laughs> no, I no. remember every time we'd go anywhere, you had to go get a Dr Pepper. You're a you're mm. a cult member with Dr, I, Dr. I, Pepper. I. See, I don't. Dr- I I drink very little soda. And if I if I'm just drinking a straight soda, I'll drink a Sprite if I'm going to drink anything. But like I said, I drink literally gallons of water on a daily basis i drink a lot of water um but if i'm gonna get a dr pepper i go i'm a cherry dr pepper guy like i go to sonic get a cherry dr pepper and that's about the only time i usually do a dr pepper anymore um but as a kid literally guys i had a speech impediment because i drank so much damn dr pepper my my little like seven-year-old brain could not calm down the sugar inside of me and they were like so I had a speech impediment, and I go to, like, a specialist. I'm talking to them. They're like, yeah, you just got to cut back on the Dr. Pepper, man. Like, it, it, it's just too much. And I, they took, you know, like, I went down from, like, a, probably like a three or four of them a day to, like, one, and all of a sudden my speech was fine or as good as it was ever going to be. Do you think that's You were, like, you're... the original Fuller Easy on the Pepsi without the peeing in the bed. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there was some peeing in the bed, too. But, I mean, like, that stopped when I was, like, 15 or so. So that, it's fine. It's all good. Do you think that's why your head's so big? Maybe, maybe. There's got to be some damn explanation for this. There is. Uh, What's you know, the, that, you don't do guys, the, 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 kids <laughs> today don't understand the fitted cap because I don't know. Does oh. anybody sell fit? But that used to be the thing. You'd go into a store and they yep. have. I mean, I it. I know why it died out because it's so damn expensive to have that many hats of the same thing. But you would actually buy a fitted cap, like a seven. I think I was a seven and a quarter. Uh, Maybe a my brother was an eight. I mean, he has a ginormous head. Yeah, I think I was like eight and a quarter, eight oh and a half. Oh my god! Like I, uh, yeah, they wouldn't even like, have hats for you. No, no, I, I hardly, they ever, no, I really, I never could wear. <laughs> that, that's why uh, I hardly ever wear hats because I got so accustomed to it as a kid because I wanted fitted hats, but I never could have one. The only time I ever got you, to have hats was what, like my little league baseball teams. What would you do for a helmet? You probably had to order off like a high school helmet. <laughs> no, I don't remember ever having that problem. 
Uh, but I definitely had a, a, a big helmet. You know, that's what's always funny, guys. Like, whenever anybody sees me do, like, one of the stand-up interviews with the recruits, like, I've gotten the he's short standing next to Marvin Wilson and, you know, all these other enormous guys. And, and that stuff, I, I'm like, I mean, I'm not the tallest guy, but I'm not short by any stretch. Um, but I never they I never hear the head thing, which I'm like, I grew up with, like, one of my best buddies would always make the So I Married an Axe Murderer jokes about he down and it's got its orbital system and the whole thing. Like, and it was probably fair. Like, it hardened me to it. Like, I don't give a crap about laughing about the size of my head. But now, like, the, the other stuff, I'm like, where does that come from? That always surprises me because I remember the first time I was in front of the camera, I was like, they're going to talk about how big my head is. Like, I guarantee it. And it's never once come up. I mean, I've got a, I've got a five head. Like, I, I have, a, and I've got a full head of hair, but I still have a five head because it's so damn big. They don't have a fitted hat that fits me because my head's too small. God, what oh, kind of Bob. Weird head well, situation. When my nephew was five years old, he had a bigger head than me. What? <laughs> <laughs> my head, it's just, it's, it's time. I can't wear, and when you get the elastic bands or whatever, I have to put them all the way to the end just to have a chance. Like to when try you get the trucker it. hat, you have to put it on the very last little. Yep. The very dot. last one. And sometimes that falls apart because there's only one thing that's holding it together. <laughs> oh, that Sorry. is, that's amazing. <laughs> So Bob doesn't want to stand next to me any more than I want to stand next to him because we both just accentuate <laughs> and accentuate each other's oh, weaknesses. If we could get you guys doing a side by side on uh, television, and we could do like that big cat uh, shot from above, like he always does with yeah. Joe Buck, that would be fantastic. That you know what else great. we we should get like one like a trucker hat, and I'll fit it to where it fits on me, and I'll put it on Bob's head, and then he can put it where it puts on him. And I'll put it on. I'll literally set it on top of my head like a crown, and we can we can rock that. And that's how it would work. Do you see what? Do you see mind. what? Not having camps has done to us, everyone. This is where we're at now. We're just give us the footballs. Give us some damn camps, all right? Trey we Brown just had another uh, nice play over in the Senior Bowl. He's killing it today. I I uh, retweeted something from earlier. And uh, look like Creed. Look like Creed was having a good day. There's been good reviews for Ramondre Stevenson as well. I got to tell you, I respect the hell. Now? Yeah, they kind of yesterday they kind of flipped to it every once in a while when they'd report on it. But I, they might be doing straight practices today. I need to turn on my TV. Right. But no, I, is it on NFL Network? I, that's what I just that's did. I'm flipping it, it over trying be. to catch it. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, I respect the hell out of Najee Harris for. I mean, he's just like screwed this. I'm, I'm, I'm playing. That's a that's a good dude, man. I like that kid. I you know, credit yeah, I like credit. Him. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I loved his answer uh, when one of his the guys that covered him in high school when they interviewed him during the I think it was during <laughs> the semifinal lead up. That was pretty awesome, Najee yeah. Harris. He was like, "Is that you, Craig?" Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> What did he say? Don't don't front or something like that. Uh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, because exactly the guy was, was being bashed. Like he was, he was he was giving him shit for acting like he didn't know who he was. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Well, we got to talk about hoops. Two huge wins in a row, and we can do some. You want to do recruiting first? Is there any recruiting we need to go over, Josh? 
Might hit on just uh, the stuff with uh, JoJo on real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Obviously, uh, Jaden Rowe. Yeah. Uh, I guess you have to start with the you know in-state offer. That's the first new in-state offer in a while now. I'm trying to think of the last one would have been – was that Jacob Sexton? Luke. It's been a while. Luke. <laughs> hey, Josh, Luke Dixby. Oh, God, yeah. Luke has like two <laughs> weeks ago. You're right. Somebody said it might be Hass. I got to I got to get clarification from Luke on how the how the hell you say his last name. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, Jaden Rowe, the DB from uh, Tulsa Union. We've talked about him some. He was in the scoop a couple of weeks ago. This was a name that I had heard was really gaining momentum with OU, and I think it it probably would have happened a few weeks ago. But I think Oklahoma, you know, as we talked about, was you know all the coaches some went out for vacation some you know just doing some family time getting to do stuff they didn't really get to do during the season and i think you can tell i mean ou's just been throwing offers out over the last week or so and i think they finally got to sit down as a staff really start going over tape seeing who they liked who they didn't like and Jaden rowe was i mean six two six three you know 185 190 pounds big corner this is exactly the kind of guy that Alex Grinch has been talking about bringing into the program. And, uh, you know, I, I've got some stuff in Woke, and I don't want to give it away because I posted it just a little while before we started the pod. But um, he's very excited about the OU offer. I think that's the easiest way to say it. Um, I put in a forecast for him to OU. I, I don't know that it's going to be immediate. He may run this out for a while. I know Oklahoma State actually offered him since we've been recording. Um, so, there's been a a lot of excitement about him, but I mean, he's a guy that he, he's a twenty offer guy and is going to push. He'll push that top four that I think we've all assumed with Williams and Chetron and Sexton and Morion Horn. He, he's in that he's in that conversation. He's a very talented guy, and you know, I was joking with Eddie about this early in the week. I can't believe it's the first year we haven't seen a union practice or game in fifteen years. And of course, this is the year, you know, they have a guy that really kind of came out of, I don't, I don't want to say nowhere, but definitely was a guy that wasn't, you know, Trey Brown is a sophomore, everybody knew, you know, or any of those kind of guys. Like we all knew about them very early on, but this is a guy that as a sophomore wasn't particularly well known and then just had a great junior season and just made himself a, a guy that, like I said, is going to be probably a 20 offer type. All clear. You know, if we would have gone up there, he would have. It would have been just one of those weird days where he had like he had to finish a class or he had to go to basketball <laughs> or you know something would have happened. Yeah, I would say if he was a Jinx guy, I'd believe it. I think we've had more, and I and the staff at Jinx is always great to us. I don't want to make it sound like that at all. But uh, Eddie, yeah, no, and, it's just it's, it's just luck of the draw on the day that we decide to go up there. It seems like Jinx. There's always some hiccup. Like there was that year that Stephen Parker. We had uh, now uh, all three of us that one year after the state championship game waited for him for a while, and finally I was like, I'm screwing. I've got to drive home. I'm not doing this. And I think it was like 10-degree weather after that state championship game with Union. And then yep. there was that year. We had to wait for him to work out. Do you remember that, Eddie? Like he was – he couldn't do the interview with us for a minute, and so we had to wait for like 20 or 30 minutes, and then it made us late getting over to Union. And Carson Meyer and Jeff Mead had like just committed, so we were trying to get over there and do that thing. It was – it, oh, I it feels it like Jinx is always a headache. It wouldn't be the last time that I waited on somebody to work out before I interviewed them after something. Yes. I'm like, I, I need like five minutes. Like, could we just knock that out real quick and then you guys can get on so I don't have to wait 40 minutes to get five. You can have, give me five and then you can have your 40. 
So, you know, whatever. It's about me, and I don't understand why more people don't understand that. Um, but also, you know, Eddie brought up the – I, I kind of forgot. Eddie brought up the Joe John Finley stuff. Obviously made a couple of tight end offers. Uh, talked to, again, uh, got some conversation about them and woke. Uh, Oscar Delph is a guy that he had offered at Ole Miss, a kid out of Georgia. Uh, I think the number five tight end in the country, if my memory is right. Um, and is a, is a talented guy. Like I said, he had mentioned – he was the first kid I hit up when OU, you know, announced Finley's hiring just to kind of get some perspective on him as a recruiter and what he thought and really spoke highly, really, really was hoping that, that Finley would reach out now that he was at Oklahoma. And, you know, again, that was Finley's first offer. What was probably more interesting to me was the offer to Caden Helms, the uh, the tight end out of Nebraska. He didn't have – Finley hadn't offered him at Ole Miss. And to my knowledge and from what Helms had told me, hadn't had any contact with him. Like it was just – out of the blue, you know, OU offers him. So I don't know if it was a guy that he liked and Lane Kiffin didn't or what the story is with that, but it was very interesting that, you know, his second offer at the position went to a guy that he hadn't offered at Ole Miss. And talking to Helms, he seems very interested. I mean, so, I, you know, it'll be, like I said, Oklahoma hasn't gone into Nebraska and made an offer since 2015, and then in one day they made two because Oklahoma also offered a linebacker named Devin Jackson out of Omaha. So it's um, a busy day for Oklahoma and Nebraska. I don't really know what to say about that. That was kind of a weird little turn there. Well, Josh, we're a week away from signing day. The excitement builds and builds. Uh, (laughs) Is Austin going to be part of this class, the offensive tackle, or is that kind of just faded away? I, I think there's still a chance. I, I know, you know, like I, I think I said it last week, from everybody I hear, it's Stanford, Texas, Oklahoma, and, you know, there's a few other schools kind of on the periphery. But that that's the three that I hear most consistently with him. Um, now, I, like I said, I, 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 I've had some people kind of say, oh, well, they got Wanye. I, I don't think Wanye and Austin Uke are connected at all. I don't think there's right. any connection there. Um, I think they would love to have him. Uh, uh, it's just going to be interesting because Texas re- offered him before Oklahoma did, but it was an entirely different staff that he and he, Texas he has no relationship with. While Oklahoma has been recruiting him for a while, but there hasn't been the same um, uh, the same energy for it, I guess you'd say, since you know that they've had since the offer. So. It'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, Stanford has a great track record of offensive linemen, obviously great academics. He's from a private school, so you could see that making some sense for him. I I don't know. I mean, like, he's not a guy that I've got a strong take on yet because it seems like he's actually pretty open. Like, I, I always say, oh, you can kind of know what a guy's going to do. I think he's one of those guys that actually is pretty legitimately open to the process, and we'll see what happens over the next week. So you're saying there's a chance? There's a chance. There's absolutely a chance. All right. Well, uh, big, big uh, blue blood battle coming up this weekend. Oklahoma versus Alabama. Just not in basketball. They're not blue bloods. Um, but the Texas win last night. I I think all OU fans kind of have the same sentiment, Bob. Like I don't care that they only had eight players. It was nice to beat a team absolutely. with a five next to their name. I mean, it's not like Kansas cared that Brady Manick and Jalen Hill couldn't play in the first game. I mean, that that's just the nature of the season. And anytime you go on the road, get a 
top five win, you're going to take it. You don't care if that means you don't score a field goal in the final four minutes. You don't care as long as you were able to get the job done. And I think we all know right now, as great as they're looking, you, you sort of wonder, is there a role for Brady Manick? And that sounds just insane to say for, uh, you know, basically a four-year starter and someone that's become synonymous with the program for years and years. But it the, the way his body language is, the way his body has reacted since COVID, uh, I mean, when, does he turn it around or, or can OU just sort of figure it out that he gets like 10 to 15 minutes and it's you let these four guards just sort of go crazy? Yeah, he had, a, what, eight minutes last night? I and he, he didn't look good in them. No. You, you know, and if you he misses those first couple shots, he just gets so down on himself that it permeates to the rest of his game. And he's not that great at defense to begin with, but then if he's not making shots, it really shows up that his intensity or his awareness is not assignment sound. And you look at the way Victor Iwakor just, you know, embraced last night. He was... That guy was fired up after a couple, you know, maybe a two, three-week stretch where he didn't do much. That's what you need, that type of fire. If you're only going to play that limited amount of time, you got to come in and bring every ounce of energy you've got. Was the Kansas game the first time that Harkless had started? No. No, ever since uh, Manic and, and Hill were He's out, it's been that four—it's Harmon, Williams, Reeves— Harkless and, uh, and and Queth and and that's actually that's my question for Lon tomorrow is that when you've got so many guys like you got Queth you got Manic you've got guys that are accustomed to being on the court in the final stretch like the last five five minutes if this four guard lineup keeps working I don't say massage egos but how do you keep these guys mentally in it? if they're not on the court going down the stretch. And that could even apply to like Alonzo Williams, because a lot of times it's Mo Gibson that ends up getting that final run. Yeah. I mean, right now they're all team first. They're all doing it the right way. But does it mentally start to wear on some of these guys that they're not part of the key components when they hit that that five-minute that, that five mark? Well, what's amazing is, I mean, this was such a stretch, and I guess it's really like a six-game stretch, but I think everybody pointed to the four-game stretch of Kansas Texas, Alabama, and then Baylor. Uh, and I think even the most optimistic person probably had to say, look, if they can just go 500, that's great. And right now they're batting 1,000 after two games. Yeah, and that's why you hope that you don't feel, like, oh, you know what, we got these first two. If Bama doesn't go our way, if Texas Tech on Monday doesn't go our way, we're, we're going to be just fine. Like You got the first two, just keep keep it coming. You know, I'm obviously Crimson Tide one of the biggest surprises in the entire college basketball season. But, I mean, the the way that that four-guard lineup has brought the tenacity on defense, that doesn't feel like that goes away. Because, I mean, even a night like last night, Mo Gibson couldn't hit wide-open threes, and it didn't affect anything else. If As long as you keep playing with that effort, like Harkless diving on the court like a madman a couple times, you bring that intensity and that effort, that, that's that's going to carry over from every single game, even if your shot isn't falling. That that kind of shit just trickles down into the roster, too. And that's like, yep. I, I think that they do have a pretty good chemistry slash culture down there right now. And obviously it's, you know, paying off on the on the court and the way that they're playing. And th- ben sent me this note earlier this morning. It's insane from uh, Stats by Stats, a big I think analytical, in-depth analyst stuff. But 
when OU plays number nine Alabama on Saturday, Oklahoma will become the first team in the Stats Inc. database that goes back to 1996 to face six top ten teams in one calendar month, and that's including March. So it, it's just incredible, like the type of teams that they've been playing here over the last couple of weeks. And then you know, obviously, the five of the next six are against teams inside the top eleven. Yeah, I mean that you get that one breather next Saturday at home, Iowa State feel like you and that's the other thing you can't win some of these and and then fall apart (laughs) against like a kansas state or iowa state when when you go on the road you know you've got to maintain taking care of your business there but after that then it's going to be baylor and it's going to be texas and it's at west virginia so it's another brutal three game stretch once you get past this one but i i think you know it's a question people love to ask but i i the Big 12, this is what they know. It's maybe to a, another level where instead of like five teams in the top 20, it's like five in the top 11 or 12 or whatever. But these guys understand that this is what they signed up for. This And, and this is what they want. They want these opportunities to play the best teams every single night. It you certainly know. helps. You're, it's a bunch of guys that have played a lot of basketball. And yeah. I, you know, when you think about the NCAA tournament, it's going to be weird this year, but like seriously, like when I think of a team that can make some type of run, granted, it's all about matchups when you get there, but they've played a lot of basketball and they are deep at the guard position. And those are the types of teams that, especially in, you know, kind of the modern day of college basketball that are able to put together a run. And if this team could get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, I think that that is more than what people expected going into the season. I think that would be a great ceiling for them to reach. For sure. And, and then you just don't know what's going to happen next year. You got those four seniors, like an all elect to come back. You've got CJ Nolan, Bijan Cortez coming in. And I, I think, I mean, you almost start to wonder do you know how to recruit right now if you don't know about what Kirk West and Brady Manick are doing? Is it even worth trying to bring in a big guy for the 2021 class if, if those guys are thinking about coming back? We've talked so much about football roster management, but it definitely pertains basketball too because you just I, I the only one I think for sure I think Austin Reeves will leave I think he's done what he needed to do at the point guard spot to show that he was more than just a shooter with the shockers and that he he's it's mission accomplished for what he needed to do in Norman and he can move on but Londis Williams Quet Manic I think the door's open as as to or you know they've got options as to what they want to do heading into next season I also think it's it's kind of a good thing that, you know, like West Virginia beats Texas Tech the other night. It it, it keeps Oklahoma's quality wins up there. Yep. Uh, I agree. And you kind of you kind of want the guys at the top to kind of eat each other. I mean, uh it, I think that's good for everybody cuz I all these people get the tournament like here's my other question, if Oklahoma can beat Alabama this weekend, are they like in a 5 seed range all of a sudden? Jerry Palm had him yeah. six. He had him on the six seed uh, yesterday, and that was before yeah. they won. So I mean, it, it's just crazy. Like I don't think that it, it's Baylor, and I still think Texas at full strength is pretty damn good. Yeah, they and are. Then probably still everybody else. Maybe OU's at a little bit of that top tier of the third right now, the way that they're playing. I but think Kansas I, is I, below I that tier. Quite a just a difference between them and Baylor. I think Kansas is below that that third tier just a little bit they're, they're just kansas i've just never doesn't... seen a kansas team that loses so much when they go to their bench like they do now yeah 
it, there's there's just not a whole lot there. But yeah, I think Tech, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kansas. I mean that in Oklahoma State. I mean they. The, their COVID thing is kind of taking them out of the spotlight a little bit, but they were playing well before that all hit and, and not having Cade Cunningham. And that Baylor game. And they, they, they still just, won in Ames by 20 without Cade. Yeah. That's that's what you got to do, take care of this. There's, there's a clear separation. I mean, I don't know if TCU's on it because they've had so much. They've had to pause so much, and they've played Kansas and Baylor and OU twice. So they've had some games where they were supposed to lose. But Iowa State and Kansas State, you almost have to go at least three and one, maybe four and zero, oh, to keep your head afloat when you start beating up on against each other with all all those other top teams. All right, um, I think so. That's... We're, we're picking them. We're all picking them to go to the Final Four, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's only a two-hour drive. Eddie's from been my parents. Uh, Eddie's been uh, bucking for a Final Four trip for a few years now. Well, the last time that I went, it was a record historically bad uh, ass whooping. The I, worst I like loss the ever. Final four. Not to mention uh, obstructed view. I mean, that was terrible seating. Oh, they yes. will never get worse than yeah. it, like it, it's just the the seating arrangement at the final four. Don't get me started. They need to move that shit back into a basketball arenas. But I know that that's never going to happen. Yeah. Eddie, if memory serves me, what was worse about that trip, the game itself or the trip itself? Uh, probably the game. I, I don't remember anything worse. I don't think I remember anything bad about the trip. Okay. Did you did you travel alone to that? I did go alone. But okay. Okay. I had a I had a I had a thought that maybe you had traveled with someone that. <laughs> was fairly miserable to travel with. <laughs> oh, no, I was alone. Oh, yeah. Certain Fox Sports personality. <sighs> no, I was, alone. I was alone on that one. Okay, okay. I'd, mm, yep. Mm. I think there was a makeup show for all the uh, clown stuff that was going on that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Burt Reynolds has joined the podcast again. Um all right. Uh, any other order of business, as I always say, before we get out of here, you guys want to bring up? Senior Bowl, they're showing some practice footage now, just a little bit here and there. Oh, there we go. Great. Offensive lineman. Well, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later. Josh is going to beat off. All right. Yep. Um, thank you, for everybody, for listening. Thanks to Dead Soxy. Uh, appreciate you. Go support deadsoxy.com. Uh, use that promo code SOONER. For thirty percent off your order, uh, or is it Boomer? Damn it, Boomer! It's Boomer. I can't even remember after an hour. All right, uh, thanks for everybody for listening, and we'll be back again next week, maybe with some more uh, Tennessee players on the OU roster. Most likely, that's going to happen. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week on another edition of the Unofficial Forty from SoonerScoop.com.